Welcome back in. It's the Hockey Show. Right here on my high sports where we talk all things hockey. In the middle of the NHL playoffs. I love it. Can't wait to get back to sitting on my couch and watching it. I can't believe you're talking over Eddie Van Hillen. What, am I just supposed to sit here and turn into just a Just let your face melt at the awesomeness. But we're, we're a talk radio station, not a music station. I think there's copyright laws. Danny's on the phone, so he can't get our back legally again like he did earlier in the show. But we're heading to the phones. We got Mark Mosier again uh, joining us here on Power Play 2. We got the main advantage again. So let's head right to it and get to him and, uh, you know, talk to him. Mark, you there? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How about yourself? Doing some good. I love some little uh, eruption there. Let's uh, crank that up. That sounds good. We. Yeah, we knew we knew that would uh, be something you like, so we specifically <laughs> put that on for you. I'm in. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, weird. Ryan's mic uh, just went out, so I guess I'll keep talking here. But Moj, thanks for hanging out with us. Let's get into the Avs Blues series. I mean, you look at that three game set so far, and you've got a three goal game, a three goal game, and a four goal game. Did you expect this big of a discrepancy between the two teams going into this series? You know, I really did not, JJ. Honestly, it's, you know, the Blues were playing their best hockey coming down the stretch. And, I, and I'd been impressed with some of the quality wins that they had had. You know, and, and again, the last two games of the season, I know the Avs were 5-1 and one against St. Louis until the last two meetings and then came out 5-3. and three. So I thought to myself, you know, the Blues are, are sort of peaking at the right time. Jordan Bennington had been playing just splendidly between the pipes, and, and I don't think he's been bad this series at all. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, you get to the postseason, and you can really tell differences, right? And you really understand, you know, which team is determined, which team feels like it has the firepower, the belief inside of itself. And not that the Blues didn't. But they've been really overwhelmed at times by this Colorado Avalanche squad. I think we saw in the first two games, I mean, the top line is just flat-out dominant. Kale McCarr doing Kale McCarr things. And then when you get to game three, you have four guys who score their first goal of the series and then another guy who scores his second goal of the series in Brandon Sod. And it just shows really how deep this Avs squad is. And, and that's what the Avs have been trying to build for for a couple, four years now, trying to get the core together, and they knew what it was, and then put the proper pieces around that core. And right now they're able to show it off against the Blues team, again, that, that had no answer for the Avs' top line. But once you get that going, it's tough to stop everything else. Mosier, is this a prime example of what the Avs have been trying to get away from, which is being sort of labeled that one-line team, the McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, is their only firepower kind of concept? Yeah, right. I think you look a couple, three years ago, even four years ago against Nashville, and, you know, the, the top line had to do a lot of heavy lifting, and and rightfully so. I mean, they're the guys who are, are expected to lead the way. They're the guys who, you know, that, that everybody's going to count on, but you're, you're going you're gonna to have to have more than that. I mean, listen, when you send O'Reilly and Pareko out, and the entire idea is, to, okay, let's hammer Grant in, let's hammer McKinnon, let's, let's get these guys from the get-go, I mean, we saw it last night. Shen had the first minor of the game. That's because Miko was standing on the dot after delivering a pass, and Shen blew him up. Well, when, when you start to focus on those guys, then, then other guys can take over, and it hasn't always been that way. And so you start to do the deals. You start to, you know, bring in a Burakovsky on a deal. You know, you, you get a Donskoy as a free agent. You, you, re, you, know, you sign Val to, an, you know, to a, a, a basically what was a sort of a PTO, 
and then he earns another deal. You acquire a Belmar. You get all these proper pieces where everything seems to fit. You put the puzzle together. On the back end as well, you, you make some proper additions to, to guard against an injury like the one we saw to Eric Johnson. And I think the Avs have done a really good job piecing things together. You know, I was talking to Pierre Maguire yesterday, and he said, when we did a deal with Philly back in the day in 91 for Pittsburgh, he said, it looked like we lost the deal in terms of on paper, but we got the right guys that needed to fit into what the Penguins lineup already was. And then, of course, they went on to win the Cup. And, and you, so you, you, it's not just that you get this talent. You've got to get the right pieces. And Gabe Landeskog even reiterated that. He said, look, it's to the point now where when guys come into this squad, they either have to be bought in as to what we do and how we do it or they're gone. They will not last. They're going to be gone from this team. And so you see not only guys coming in and fitting in, but the younger guys going into to those roles like a, like a Tyson Jost has here, certainly like a Sammy Gerrard has, and, and even guys like JT Comfer, they fit in. And so right now it just it looks, it looks very put together with where this team should be. I would say another thing that I wasn't expecting from this series is the physical side of this Avs team, their unwillingness to get pushed around. I mean, you go back to even the uh, last year's playoffs, and it feels like Dallas really kind of out-physicaled them, and that was kind of their, their downfall. Is that another thing you weren't expecting, or what's changed that suddenly this team does not get pushed around? Well, I think that, you know, it, it, I think people think sometimes that you have to have big size and big hulking bodies in order to not get pushed around. You know, I mean, Matt Calvert, and, and I wish he was in there, I wish he was healthy, but Matt Calvert is not a big guy. But Matt Calvert is afraid of no man or no animal, period. And, uh, you know, it, it's more of a mindset than anything else. And I think you look at the captain, and you look at what he did in game number one, and my goodness gracious, I mean, he, he set a tone, I think, for – you know, for what this series is going to be right off the bat. I mean, to me, when he goes after Shen and tunes him up like that, it basically it's saying, listen, we'll take hits, we'll absorb hits, we'll get smoked, fine, we'll smoke you back, but we're not going to take crap. And, you know, that's the mindset of this, this club. And, I, again, I look at Nico Rantanen, you know, coming down the stretch, teams really got in his kitchen a lot. And it may have bothered him a little bit, and he seemed to, to get off his game a little bit. Well, they tried to blow him up last night, and what I noticed about this ab squad, well, forget about the cadre thing for now, but whistle to whistle, they're not getting involved in a lot of crap, guys. They, they Listen, Miko got punched in the head and knocked down. He stood up, stared at the guy, stood his ground, and then said, is that all you got? And then you go away, because that's what it takes to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, J.D., I think it's, it's a matter of we're just not going to take it. You know, We'll, we'll absorb hits because we know we're going to get hit a lot but we're going to keep on playing. It's just more of a mindset, I think, than anything else. I got I can't get over that play, Moj, last night when Jordan Bennington comes out to play that puck and just gives Ryan Graves a, a little chip and goal there. Do you, is that the turning point in what was probably the Blues' best game of the series? I think, it, I think it, it has to be. You know, again, the Avs held off the Blues in their best shot, I thought, in game number two. And, and I'm not saying that, it, you know, it, it – it, it causes a team to, you know, to not believe in themselves. But, I mean, listen, they, they, they took the, the Blues' best shot in that comeback. When Blaze scores and then the five-minute major, the Avs only give up one, but they managed to survive. 
And, you know, you look at Grubauer. He never gave up that game-tying goal, which was a huge key. And, you know, it's just it's, – it's amazing to me to see how things turn. And when you have a Bennington, he's trying to make something happen for his team. And we know it's a gamble. I mean, I'm not sure that Ryan Graves is going to score on a breakaway. You know, but, but Bennington wants to come on out, and he's kind of uh, the kind of guy who's going to – you know, he's going to, to – how can I put it? Maybe take Be your legs bit, out. <laughs> Yeah, we no, no. He's going to be a guy that's going to wander a little bit. You know, he's going to be involved in that direction. And uh, heck, man, uh, it was it was a gamble play. And Ryan Graves, I got to give him a tremendous amount of credit. This guy came charging out of the box, and it was a really heads up play uh, all the way around. And you know, Bennington even got a piece of it. But holy cow, you know, Graves made it stick, and it was a huge uplift for that Avalanche squad. And I think. I don't want to say it broke Blues' backs because they still continued to play, but boy, it was a—I think it was a tough thing for them to stomach a little bit because they had it zero-zero, you know. And even if if it becomes a one-goal game, you know the abs are coming, and you know they're going to be coming. And then you see Newhook get his first, and they just have so many weapons to beat you. I just think it took a a little bit of wind out of their sails on that gamble that Bennington did and did not win. With Newhook's goal, it kind of seemed like he really stepped up in the cadre absence, right? And last time I saw you, you and I were in the press box, and that was kind of the buzz in Ball Arena, was the, the looming cadre suspension. So now that we've heard the eight games, what do you think about that? And then second parter with Newhook and Soderberg stepping in, how did they handle the, uh, the gap there with cadre missing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, with, with, I know people say, well, the 18 months, you know, he's not a repeat offender, but the league has the option to look at everything. Now, I, I will not condone the hit at all. I, I don't, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that kind of hit. I'm not a fan of that kind of play. And so the league's going to look at it. When you hit a guy in the head, no matter what, you're going to be looked at. And because he's got a history of that, he's going to be looked at through more of a magnifying glass than anybody else. I honestly think, guys, and, and, I, and I could be wrong in this, it was maybe you know the, the league trying to send a message because I know that they were not happy after Tom Wilson was not suspended against the Rangers and the gong show that occurred in the very next game. I know the league was not happy about that. I know that they uh, that they were you know they wanted to temper some things down. So I think it looks like they said, all right, enough of this. We're going to sit him down for quite a while, and the Abs will have to live with it. They will. But you know what? I thought that. You throw J.T. Comper up there, and here's what's cool about a guy like Comper and a guy like Jost. You don't want to take Jost off with Nachushkin and Saad because they've got something cooking right now. But, but at the same time, J.T. Comper has played in the middle. You know, he's been playing wing, but he's played in the middle, and he can step into that role. And, and he knows what to do. He's not a kid anymore. He's not a baby anymore. He's a veteran in the National Hockey League. And, of course, we know Carl, what you're going to get out of Carl you know, big, thick body. And by the way, his hit on O'Reilly in that third period was a, I thought a big take the win out of the sales hit. Mm-hmm. You know, O'Reilly's coming through the neutral zone and Carl gives him a big hip check. And I never want to see anybody get hurt. And thank goodness O'Reilly wasn't. But he did sort of, you know, he was slow motion back to the bench. And that's what Carl Soderberg can bring. He's a bigger guy, I think, than people realize. He's a thicker dude than people realize. And he brings a ton of momentum. And so I thought that uh, that Carl came in and stepped in quite nicely, and I thought that JT did a nice job. And if you ask Carl about it, he'll say, "Yeah, I came across and I hit him." And, <laughs> yeah, and that's that. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much uh, Carl is, is such a 
God, he's a unique and great dude, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad to have that guy back on the abs because, and it's too bad, Ryan, because we're not allowed to, you know, to go in the room anymore, JJ, because of the protocols. But I just love to sit and talk with Carl, you know, and, and uh, talk about life in the world. And he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that isn't isn't a all about me type of person when the camera's rolling. But he's happy to talk to you about things that he's interested in. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Moj, we had John Forslund on before you, and one of the things we talked to him about was calling games and travel and how that's that's changed given the current COVID protocol situation. But you and I have talked about it a little bit too. Just how hard is it to, to bring energy and, and call games when you're not in the building kind of feeding off of what the crowd's got going? It's difficult, Ryan. It is for me anyway. Um, you know, I, I put it this way. It, it, I'm glad to be calling games. I'm just I'm happy as a clam that we're able to do it. Hell, I'm I'm super happy that we have a dang season. But it makes it difficult, and, and it, it's the way that that all the television transmissions are set up this year. You know, the Blues guys did not come to Colorado. We are not going to to St. Louis. I, I don't know that anybody has traveled unless it's sort of a. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a drive like from you know, well, heck, I don't even know. Uh, it, it really, it, it's just all set up differently this year, the way the signals get out, how the signals are taken by the national feed, by the opposing team's feed. And so it really is impossible to travel to the location because all your personnel, your director and your producer, everybody has to be back in the home city. But, you know, we're lucky enough that we've got three screens. One has the play, you know, the, the following the puck. One is a wider shot. One is a camera that we control so we can look at the bench and all of that, but it's not like being there because, you know, Peter McNabb, as you guys know, he's truly one of the best analysts and knowers of hockey I've ever seen in my entire life. And he looks at so many different things that aren't where the puck is. You know, and on TV, you see where the puck is and a little, and, and a little bit more. But he's looking at everything else. He's looking at how guys position themselves at the blue line. Where do they go? How do they come back in? What are they seeing? And, you know, that's what makes him so great because he, he sees everything about the game so well. So it's been a little bit easier on me because I'm following the puck most of the time, even though, you know, there'll be a whistle and you have no idea why. Well, there's a, there's a, a you know, penalty taken behind the play, and you don't know because you're at the, the beck and call of the referees and, and what's on the little tiny screen, and, uh, you know, and you're at, the, you're at the mercy of the opponent's feed if, if they're in St. Louis. So we take the feed from St. Louis, their raw feed, and we try to figure out what's going on. So it, it does make it more difficult. It's not ideal, but it's, uh, it's the way to get through it. And, you know, for Fours, he's calling a bunch of different series. So maybe it makes it okay because, you know, he's in one spot all the time. He can do a bunch of different teams. But I know that he would rather be at the rink. And not only that, but talking to the guys, getting inside dope, you know, that we would normally get to, to pass along to the viewer and let them really understand what the team is about and what's going on and little nuances. So it's not ideal, but, you know, we do the very best we can, and we just keep on plodding through. Moj, I'm playing a little guilty today. I was in the firefighter tournament yesterday, so naturally there's going to be some whiskey there. But as a whiskey guy yourself, I'm just kind of wondering, what's your fla- flavor of the month right now? You guys, I uh, have been on, and the Bears not going to like me saying this, but I like, you know, Stranahan's. I, I got to support the home city, and I got to support Stranahan's. 
And you know, I like the the the, the yellow label, the standard. Uh, I've got some some special bottles that my brother-in-law gave me, but they have this one. It's called the Solera Finish. It's the it's the blue it's the blue label, and it's cheaper and it's so good. It tastes like kettle corn with a finish. Like to have a little sippy sip and relax a little bit. I'm telling you guys, you can't go wrong. So if you want to pick up a bottle, you know this is completely unendorsed. A bottle of the Stranahan's Blue. That's where I'm at. Sold. <laughs> right on. Right on. on. Right on, dudes. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thank you. There you have it, D. Mark Mosier. Man, he's just—he's the greatest. I love Mosier. The other day, I heard uh, Birdo, right, one of the other altitude guys, call McGahey the Han Solo of hockey. I wonder what he calls Mosier because he's got to be a little bit cooler than Han Solo, right? Chewbacca. The Chewbacca. The, the Boba Fett of hockey. Boba Fett. <laughs> All right, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be right back to wrap up the show. This is the Hockey Show on My High Sports.